Welcome to Pure Curiosity. This is your host, Iris McAlpin, and I invite you to join me in this exploration of what it means to be human in our modern world. Here you may find answers, but I hope you'll find even more questions and allow curiosity to guide you forward. Let's begin. All right. Hi, Nedra. How are you this morning? I am well. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's funny. I've been listening to your voice for hours over the weekend. And so I feel like we just chatted a few minutes ago. Oh, good. How cool is that? Yeah, it's been, I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you about your book. It is a gem. And thank you. Yeah, I feel like maybe in this case, you almost don't need an introduction. I feel like most people are probably familiar with your work. But just in case, would you be willing to to share with our listeners a little bit about you and, and your work? Yes. So I am a therapist. This is my 14th year of being a therapist. I am also an author, content creator, um, entrepreneur, and mother, and so many other things, wife, all of those things. And I talk a lot about boundaries in my um, work on Instagram. And I have a whole book about boundaries called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. And I got into that work because as I was becoming a therapist, I noticed so many folks struggled with assertiveness in their relationships, which I too have struggled with. And so it seemed like a very natural space to take up as a therapist to help people talk about their relationships in a way that uh, made them feel more fulfilled and happy. Um, Even when we think about things like trauma, work-life balance, marriage issues, anxiety, depression, there's so much space within those things to set boundaries with ourselves and others. Yeah, something that I was glad that you mentioned at the beginning of your book is that a lot of people come in and don't even realize the boundaries are one of their struggles. They may be mm-hmm. struggling in different areas of their life, but they wouldn't necessarily have the language to identify, okay, this is a boundary problem. So I'd be curious just to hear you share a little bit about how someone might know that boundaries are even a concern for them. We know they're a concern when we find ourselves feeling um, frustrated, anxious, confused, taken advantage of when we are in codependent relationships, when we're overwhelmed, those are all indicators that boundaries are needed. I would say my typical client comes in after trying to do things on their own and they talk about, of course, the the big issue that brought them in. But as we dissect their relationships, there's this common thread of not being assertive and people doing things that they did not like or being in situations they aren't comfortable with over and over and over. And until we get to the root of that and really work through finding a way to set boundaries, we continue to repeat a lot of those issues and relationships that we don't want to have. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you said get to the root of it because something that I'm always interested in, I find that there's there's hidden logic in all of our behavior, <laughs> even behavior that might at face value seem like it doesn't make sense or we realize that it's counterproductive in some way. There's mm-hmm. usually some reason why we're doing what we do. And so I'd be and I know you address this a bit in the the chapter on trauma, 
But what are some reasons that someone might find setting boundaries really scary or reasons why someone might actively avoid doing it for reasons that actually kind of make sense? It's hard for any of us to not be liked or for us to experience someone being upset at us or mad at us. And we want to, on some levels, make sure that people are happy with us because it it hurts. It's hurtful when people are upset at, at you for not agreeing with them. And that is a real hard challenge of setting boundaries. Now, in many cases, how do we even know that people will be upset at us? We don't know. Yeah, I I liked when you talked about how the worst case scenario that so many of us go to very quickly is often the least likely. Mm. That was very comforting for me to hear because I think that is something that that is easy to go to. We can sort of catastrophize and think that we know how people are going to respond when often we don't. Yeah, I think of you know, all of these situations where we have set boundaries and it's gone very, very well. And we may have, you know, a few stories about, gosh, I set a boundary with this person and they responded in this completely negative way. But that is not the norm. The norm is you ask someone to take their shoes off, they do it. Or um, you say, hey, I won't be able to come to this thing. And they say, okay. Most people aren't like going off or upset, you ask your partner for help with this. Like people aren't typically saying no, violating your boundaries. But in our head, we think that, oh my gosh, everybody will violate my boundaries if I start to communicate them. And the real strength is to think about the the practice you've already had setting boundaries and how good you are. I found that most people are not bad at setting boundaries in all areas. It's just a few areas. Like some people set impeccable boundaries with work. They're like, when I get off work, I'm done. I don't check my email. I don't do this. Meanwhile, they have in-laws who, you know, sort of run their household. So it's not that they don't know how to set boundaries. They do. They do. They're absolutely good at it in some areas. And so we really have to think about, what areas need boundary work? Because it may not be all areas. It could be your relationship with your siblings. It could be your in-laws. It could be, you know, disconnecting from work or showing up for your friends. It could be any sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, something that comes up a lot with in various conversations that I have with people is guilt, that shows up with boundaries, particularly around family, but it can show up in other places as well, even work. And what are, what are some ways that you start to address guilt as it relates to boundaries? Mm. So I always say guilt is a part of the process. It's hard to set boundaries without experiencing something, whether it's being proud of yourself, whether it's guilt, you know, things happen. It doesn't mean that you did a bad thing. Sometimes we could feel guilty when we're doing healthy things like, you know, practicing self-care. You can feel really guilty for doing that. It doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. It just means that maybe you're doing something that you're not comfortable with yet, even if it's in your best interest. And I don't think the other people make it any better because people will make you feel guilty. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to remember that 
some things are just healthy and some things aren't. I've certainly heard about people being in abusive situations. And when they get ready to leave the relationship, the other person tries to make them feel bad. And it's like, well, this is clearly an abusive relationship. And it's, it's sad to think that whatever this person is saying would make you doubt your safety. Yeah, that reminds me of something else that you said that I thought was really interesting, which is that rigid boundaries abound when we fear vulnerability because the mission becomes staying safe. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so rigid boundaries are the ones where we build walls to keep people away from us. We have really tight boundaries around connection. And this happens because, you know, we've been hurt in the past. We don't trust that people will will be there for us. But you have to let people in. There's no way to trust without trusting. It's not possible. And so if you really want to see if, if people can show up for you, you have to give them the space to do that. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, it was interesting because people, I think often when they think about boundary issues, they think of people that aren't setting enough boundaries, people that are spreading themselves too thin. But I I liked that you also addressed instances where people are setting such rigid boundaries that it makes connection really difficult. I think that Mm -hmm. happens a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can really disconnect from people by trying not to be connected. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, as you said, a lot of that comes back to safety. If in our our early childhood experience, connecting with people wasn't safe, then it would make sense to erect some pretty rigid boundaries. But then Mm -hmm. later in life, of course, you know, when we want to have fulfilling connections and relationships that can become a hindrance. Yeah. Well, so something that you talk about quite a bit that I don't see discussed as much in the public sphere, which is this idea of self boundaries Mm -hmm. for people that are mostly familiar with setting boundaries with friends or family or work. How would you describe self boundaries and what does that mean? Self boundaries are the way that we regulate ourselves. I think so much of boundary setting has been focused on getting other people to change for us, where in many instances, we can change for ourselves and create the outcomes we want. If you have a dysfunctional relationship with someone and you're telling them, in order for this relationship to be healthy, you need to do this, 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 and this, and they're not doing it, you have to change your role in the relationship because they may not have a problem with who they are. You have a problem with who they are. Yeah. What is, what is your sense of what makes this so challenging for people? Because a lot of people really do struggle. Like you, you gave an example of someone overspending. These can be really difficult habits to, to shift for people. Yeah. I don't think we want to do the hard work. That's exactly what it is. Sometimes, you know, us therapists shy away from giving people solutions because often the solution is simple. It's like, wow, sounds like you need to quit this thing, right? It's so hard to quit. Yeah. So hard to quit something. Um, And it really is a a self-process. We can't say to you, you know, um, 
if you're tired of this relationship, just get out of it. That sounds very easy. Um, but most of us struggle in being in relationships that we don't feel like we can get out of because we're still trying to figure out how to make them work, how to bring them up to code, how to make ourselves feel better about whatever the relationship is. Yeah. So if there's somebody who, let's say, you know, they're, they're in a relationship where their boundaries are consistently being violated and maybe they're not sticking to their own boundaries. I think you say something about it being your job to maintain the standard of, of how people treat you. Mm-hmm. I think that can be a tough pill to swallow for some people. And I guess I would just be curious how you start to approach that with clients. Mm. Well, it's just a matter of building on the strength that they already have, because many of us have strengths that we're unaware of. We don't even realize how good we're we're doing with certain things. So to help them really implement some of the self-boundaries that they could, we have to acknowledge all the things you've already done. And people change when they want to. I, you know, my job is to sit with you until you're ready. I don't have to push you. I don't have to force you. You can talk about the same thing every time we meet because this is your time and you are, you know, you are here with me, but I am working for you. And I think it's it's so important that people understand, although we may be tired of hearing something from someone, people are not tired enough to change it. Right. Yeah. It's like you have to to sometimes follow a dead end road to its very end before you realize that you want to take a different, mm. a different path. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be really hard. I mean, I think this, this ties into boundaries within friendships or within family. Cause I mean, obviously you're a licensed therapist. And so this is part of your role is to, to be that for people, but in relationships outside of a therapeutic context, if someone is coming to you over and over again with the same concern that can feel quite draining. And so that's an area where I think a lot of people struggle to set boundaries. Yeah. For sure. And you have to figure out how much you can handle about one topic. I've certainly had situations where I've had to be honest and say, I can't talk about this anymore with you. Like, I feel drained listening to it. And it and it's really because I love you. And I just right. wonder if there's someone else, perhaps the person you're having the issue with, perhaps a therapist, but talking to me about it, I don't feel like I have the capacity for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's so important and something that can get tangled up with shame a lot of times is mm-hmm. actually recognizing, hey, I actually don't have the capacity for this. I think we should on ourselves a lot and feel like, you know, we should be doing more and being more. And sometimes we just can't, you know, we all mm-hmm. have our limits. And I guess that's that kind of leads me to a question, which would be, what are some signs of, of burnout? Because I know boundaries and burnout are, are very intimately connected. And so, and I think so many people are burned out because we have this culture where like busyness and success are kind of commingled. Mm-hmm. And so people don't even realize that that's what they're dealing with. Mm. Yeah, burnout starts to feel like 
a disconnect from something or um, a need to run away or get away, a thing to flee or take a break from, ex- extended break, really. And I think it's, it's really important to make sure that the burn burnout doesn't become a prolonged state by setting some boundaries. So it's not, um, you know, like this constant state of being. It's a temporary thing. Yeah. And I have a feeling a lot of mental health professionals will be listening to this. And I love in the book how you lay out your own boundaries around your practice, because I think it is really common for people to assume, oh, you're listening to people's challenges and difficult stories and traumas all day long. How are you not burned out? And and the way to do that is to to set boundaries and to have some self-care practices, which it sounds like you do very well. Mm-hmm. which makes me think of something else I wanted to ask you about I really loved how openly you shared about your experience on Instagram sort of your your following exploding in a relatively short period of time and something that I hear from people a lot is that there's this fear of success this fear of being seen And after listening to your book, it kind of made me think that there might be some overlap here about fear of success and not having boundaries in place. Yeah, yeah. Success can be scary when you go into it with the the mindset that you have to help everyone, you have to do Mm -hmm. everything, you have to give more, you have to, you have to, you have to, like, you get to determine what you want to do. Yeah. It's still up to you. Would you be willing to share a little bit about how you've navigated that? Sure. Um, what would you like to know? Yeah, well, I just imagine going from, I think you mentioned that you had like 2,000 followers and then 100,000 later, and now you're at a million. And that's a pretty... Mm-hmm steep curve, right? (laughs) In a relatively short time period. And so I just imagine through that process, you're kind of like building the plane mid-flight, figuring out what your boundaries need to be to maintain your own sort of inner equilibrium. What was that process like for you? Well, I will say um, last year was a pandemic so that um, I haven't had to be social at all. Um, so that was, and that was a huge building phase, but now that, you know, things are opening up, you know, I, am. I've always been vulnerably cautious. So I, am. I love deep connection, not, um, quantity per se, but certainly deep. And many of the people in my circle, they know me and they know me well, they're, they're very respectful, um, and they treat me about the same that they've, they've always treated me. I think the interesting thing is when I encounter new people, mm-hmm. um, and there's this assumption, you know, like, oh my gosh, I know you. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I, and I think people do to an extent because we do know, you know, I feel like I know Beyonce. I feel like I know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like I know these people, but it is, it is interesting to um, 
let's say not be normal because that's not it because I still feel very normal. Um, I guess to be recognized. I think that is the interesting piece of it. And I am constantly reminding myself that, you know, my name is still Nedra. Hmm. This is my address. (laughs) (laughs) I am my center, all of those things. And, you know, I like people. So, you know, when people talk to me, I'm always like, hey, you know, I'll hold a conversation, that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, still maintaining boundaries. You know, there are some times I might be out with my kids and those are, you know, my kids are like, why do they know you? You know, so Mm. um, I think it's just an interesting process. And if you go into it without boundaries, it can be a terrible space because we often think that celebrities don't belong to themselves, that they belong to the world. And it's like Beyonce just wants to eat in peace. I'm not saying, I don't know why I keep saying Beyonce, but um, I think we have to remember that people are people, um, myself included, you know, whoever, you know, whoever, whoever. And I, I get that we get excited. I get excited, too. So it's an interesting space to be figuring out what this looks like in terms of you know, even people I know or people I encounter, it is an interesting space to be in. Um, But I will say that I am, my friends laugh at me often because they're like, I'm not huge into like what's happening in the world and, you know, all of these sort of things. And they'll say like, no and so reposted your thing. And I'm like, who is that? <laughs> yep, I can relate to that on a smaller scale for sure. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know who that is. And then I'll Google the person. And it's been funny because sometimes I'll send the person a DM and I'll say, oh my gosh, thank you for posting. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you. I'm like, I just discovered you today. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that having this platforms just, it just makes me realize how human we are. Mm. I mean, I knew it before, but now I really know that, you know, everybody is, you know, dealing with their own stuff, going through their own things, experiencing, you know, trauma in different ways. They have their parents, their in-laws, their siblings or not, you know, all of these things. And I like having a platform where I can discover that people are, so alike and we still have these differences so it's an interesting space for me I I maintain my social media and I like to think I have pretty good boundaries I you know I respond to some some DMs here and there and comments here and there and I block people according to the energy (laughs) they bring to my page yeah. And I'm I'm definitely mindful of the sort of experience I want to have in that space. I was not huge into social media before um, joining this platform professionally. I don't I don't think I even had the app on my phone. Um, mm-hmm. I had Facebook one for one year from 2009 to 2010, and then I turned it off. So. I, you know, I I don't, there are certain things I love about it. I love the community and connection. And then there are other things where it's like, yeah, I could lose it. Yeah. Something that I'm, I'm glad you brought up the social media piece, because this is an area where boundaries and in, in relationships come up a lot or self boundaries come up quite a bit. And I would just 
be sort of interested to hear what your sense is of of why some people struggle so much to set limits on their their screen time and their phone time whereas some people are able to have some healthier boundaries around them mm. Well, I think that social media, and I meant scientifically, it has been proven that social media is set up to generate a certain physiological response mm-hmm. to a like, to, you know, the person that you really like commenting on your stuff or all of these things that it's set up for you to want to be engaged in it. And just because it's not social media for you doesn't mean that it's not something else. It could be online shopping. It could be, you know, listening to podcasts for eight hours. It could be eating or whatever. It could be anything. I think for some of us, it is, it is social media. That is the thing that, that brings us the thrill or sometimes it's, it's winding down. I think mostly one of the biggest challenges we have with social media is our routine it's built into our routine, whether that's you scrolling a little bit while you're in the bathroom or scrolling a little bit while you're doing this thing. And some of some of that time we don't recognize like, oh my gosh, that was like four hours. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really important to think about how you want to use social media because it's not a bad thing. I don't think, you know, most of the things that we overuse are bad. I think it's just the way that we engage with these things, but these things are set up to generate, you know, a response from us that makes us want to engage more. And so if you recognize like, wow, I'm, you know, comparing myself to everybody on the internet, I'm following so-and-so blogger and I keep buying everything they suggest or, um, I've tried all of these new hairstyles and I don't want to spend all this money on hair products, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. You know, once you recognize what the thing is, just consider some ways to be a little more detached from your phone, you know, leave it in a different room, leave it on the charger, turn it off a few hours. We have to figure out ways to master the thing that is trying to master us. And social media sometimes would do that. It's not, you know, it's not a bad thing. I think it's just the thing that happens when we like something, there is, you know, overuse in so many things. And I think there's a lot of energy focus on, oh my gosh, they overuse social media. It's like a lot of stuff is overused. Um, yeah. It's possible to eat too many lemons, you know, it's like <laughs> right. we can overuse anything. So it's it's just one of those things of realizing you know, your reaction to it and how you'd rather feel and see it. And people certainly assume that I use social media 24 hours per day um, because I have a huge following and because I constantly keep my stories and that sort of thing going. So people are like, wow, because you're on social media like all day. And I'm like, I'm on social media when I'm posting something. Right. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not on here all day. I have a little timer on there. And most days I have time to spare. And that's when I'll get in a hole of watching dance videos. And (laughs) um, sometimes I'll look up so-and-so celebrity and I'm like, oh, you know, so, you know, I I do try to be mindful of, you know, I just want to post, I want to post, I want to post. And, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, get in the mode of 
just looking at videos because I have time to do it. I don't have anything that I'm neglecting or anything I'd rather be doing. It's like, this is very intentional time usage. I'm watching dance videos for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) And who's going to stop me? So, (laughs) you know, I think, you know, it's an interesting space and the space is created for us to be connected. And we have to figure out what intentions we want to have with it. Yeah, I think that's so important. Something one of my teachers likes to say is that anything can be used for connection or disconnection. And I think mm-hmm. social media is like that as well. It's, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience too, but I imagine that you have. You know, I've made some really meaningful connections through social mm-hmm. media. I've had really heartfelt conversations and met people all over the world that I probably wouldn't have met. Well, I certainly wouldn't have met otherwise. But then there are those times when like I pick up my phone and I have some intention in mind of of why I opened Instagram. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, I realize, oh my gosh, I'm down a rabbit hole of cute animal videos. And so I've discovered that Instagram is a search tool. Yeah. It is to me, it's Google. Like if I if I'm looking for a makeup artist, I'm like makeup artist in LA, you know, and mm. then it's you then you get you do get a little caught up. Oh, she did so and so makeup. Oh, look at oh no, I like the way she do them brows. And then you're you you can't get caught up there. But I like that about it. I like that you can go there and see pictures of whatever try, kind of service you're trying to get, or if you're trying to go to a new restaurant and you could just look at all the pictures of their dishes. Like, okay, yes, I am getting the shrimp and grits. Look at this. You know, it's, that's, that's the part about it. I absolutely love. I like um, picture-based social media. Um, I, I'm really into Pinterest. Like I, I like looking yes. at the pictures of things and, oh my gosh, look what they did with their swimming pool. You know, so <laughs> So, you know, I, I think it depends on what your intention is. And it's it's funny because I know I am basically like a word content creator, but right. I, I don't like a lot of word content. Like I'm not typically on there. Like I have, you know, uh, some people that I really love, but um, I'm all about the pictures. I just want to see pictures. I hear you. Yeah, it's it's funny. I feel like most of my... Instagram usage is either, you know, other mental health professionals or like tiny animals doing yeah. adorable things. <laughs> That's pretty much yeah. the extent yeah. of my, my usage on there. Yeah. And we all have our things. Some people really like videos. Some people like reels. Some people like those. I just saw a guy today. He has 76 million followers on TikTok oh and he doesn't even talk on his videos. What's he doing? <laughs> He makes fun of stuff. You know how the video I saw, it was this person cutting up this banana a certain way. Like, here's a trick to a trick to cutting up your banana. And so he just took the banana and peeled it back. <laughs> that <laughs> was his hilarious. whole video. Oh my God, so I watched a, a few of his videos today. I can't remember his name, but they were funny. Like, how, how to walk past a puddle. And he would have this video. Um, people are like, stepping around it and all of this stuff. And he's like, you just take one big leap, you know? So, it's <laughs> right. like, <laughs> and he doesn't talk. He, it's just all, you know, just a video. And I'm like, wow, this is genius. <laughs> yeah. I think it's been such an interesting 
medium for people to express themselves in ways that may not have been been possible before. And something I did want to make sure to circle back to that's related to this. And I think this applies in social media. It also applies just in our day-to-day in-person relationships. But you said in the book that you can't control the way people respond to what you share. And there's, um, I'm sure, infinite things that you could say about that. But I, I do think sometimes we like to tell ourselves that we do have more control than we actually have. And so I'd just be interested to hear what you would say to someone who's really, really struggling with that, who really wants to be able to to set boundaries and and also control how people respond to those boundaries. Yeah. For social media, I found that my intentions can be in the best space ever. Like I might say something like, sometimes we cause our own problems. Um, I think I posted something along those lines once Mm -hmm. and someone responded like, so whatever trauma exists. So this was my fault. I'm like, no, no. But I do think if you set your cup on the edge of the table, and it falls, that is your fault. Right. I'm not saying, <laughs> I wasn't referring to someone, you know, attacking you or, you know, do it just like, no, that was unprompted. But sometimes we, we do things. You wear a shoe with a broke buckle and by the end of the night, you can't, you can't walk in the shoe. You know, it's like, that is a, that is something we contributed to. And I'm not saying that, that, you know, I think sometimes people can apply whatever meaning to things that they want to. Mm-hmm. I've seen some things where, you know, where they say, well, this symbols mean, means this. And I'm like, really? I've always, I just thought it was a tire. <laughs> you know, I didn't <laughs> think it was like, I didn't think it meant anything more than that. So we can always give things meaning that is not there. And so on social media, sometimes people will say, you know, this person is that, or this person is this, they're posting this content. And I think the safest thing for us to do is not assume the worst. And the second safest thing for us to do is to protect our energy. And so if someone is posting things that you just disagree with, I would say block them or unfollow them uh, because you shouldn't see it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, our energy is such a limited resource and our attention is a limited resource. And so if we're constantly triggering ourselves by following content, that triggers us, then that's mm-hmm. going to have an impact on our energy, certainly. For sure. And I think that we have to be mindful of how we're utilizing the time in the in the space. And some we can't change someone's content. Now, they do have certain controls on most social media where you can report people if it's, you know, nudity and, you know, violence and those sort of things. But if it's just something outside of that that you don't like, you are the person who has to take the, you know, the power and the lead to say, you know, I don't want to follow this person anymore because we can't get people to change their content because it doesn't suit us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some people think that they can (laughs) by, you know, posting nasty comments, but yeah, I think, I think the policy of protecting your energy makes so much sense. Something I feel like I would be remiss not to ask you about just because trauma is such a, an area of interest for me. And I, I know we kind of briefly touched on it at the beginning, but 
what do you see the connection between trauma and setting boundaries as being? Mm. And I know that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, say more. I'm, I guess I'm... Yeah, sure. Well, so I guess something that I've experienced a lot in the work that I do is that mm. that a lot of times in childhood, if if people's boundaries are consistently violated or they aren't able to set boundaries at all for fear mm. of, of getting in trouble. You know, this is, you know, it seems logical when you spell it out, but these early life experiences can really shape how we relate to boundaries. And I know you, you have a number of, of vignettes in the book that illustrate this really well, mm. but just for people listening today, what are some common connections that you see between childhood trauma and challenges and setting boundaries later in life? Yeah, I think the biggest connection, disconnection is this sense of powerlessness, that once mm-hmm. we lose that power, we can never regain it, but we can regain that power. You know, particularly with childhood trauma, there is so much within the the, the power dynamics of an adult to a child or an adult to um you know, a teenager or even a teenager to a child. There is there's so much there that kids cannot protect themselves from, but adults can. And we have to realize that, you know, I was small. I wasn't mature. In many instances, you're not even aware that what's happening to you is this terrible thing or that other people don't experience it. But now as an adult, your your understanding of it is different and it's it's not okay. It wasn't okay then and it's not okay now. And we can, uh, without going the rigid route and keeping people away from us, we can safely bring people into our lives, but with boundaries. Yeah, something you said about the power dynamics just made me think about, and I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this. My sense is that it's so hard for adults to wrap our heads around just how powerful we can be Mm -hmm. in the lives of a child. Like we don't think of ourselves as being powerful beings, which is you know maybe a good thing in some cases, but I think it's it's difficult to overstate just how much influence we can have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, adults are are really powerful because to a kid, you're responsible for everything. Like they can't take care of themselves; they need you to do it. And so, yeah. a lot of things that we're doing and saying, they will you know, listen to and respect because we're bigger and we are their sole source. And it's unfortunate when that that supply is, you know, cut off or someone is abused, someone is not kept safe and those sort of things. Now, accidents do happen. There are some situations where, you know, kids are in situations that maybe the parent isn't the cause of. And so it's really important to know that once a child, not always a child, and that you can become um, more assertive for yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested if you have any, well, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on this, but um, thoughts that you could share about how parents can, can help their children develop healthy boundaries for themselves. Mm. 
Honor the boundaries they already have. Many kids have boundaries. They express those boundaries. And our response to those boundaries really give kids the courage to continue to speak their boundaries, not just with you, but with other people. And I love allowing my my two little girls to, mm-hmm. you know, speak up for themselves. When we go out to eat, I'm like, you know, you tell them what you want. You go, you know, like this is your experience. I know it's going to be the same thing every time, every time, <laughs> nuggets and fries. I got it. But I think you can, you know, you go up there and ask them for a bag. You go, you know, those are small ways that we're helping mm-hmm. kids to be assertive. We're teaching them to use their voice. If, if someone says something to them that they don't like, what did you say to them? Did you say anything to them? Did you let them know that you were uncomfortable with that? Um, but it's really a matter of them helping them to shape their voice because many of them have it. They, you know, kids are amazing at saying, no, I don't want this, blah, blah, blah. They're great at that. We just have to allow them to do it. Yeah, and I think that can be so threatening for some adults too. And and I think for good reason, but Mm -hmm. let's say if we weren't allowed to say no growing up, if our children start saying no to us, all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, you know, I have to shut this down right away. And no is a, is a really common boundary, especially for, you know, (laughs) two-year-olds. They love Mm -hmm. the word no. And I think it's, I mean, I'm not a parent yet, but I think you know, that practice of, of allowing for the no is probably hard, but also probably very important. Allowing for the no. Yeah. (laughs) How do we get in the way of someone advocating for themselves? How dare we? Yeah. You know, it's a good way to actually conceptualize that as, you know, them advocating for themselves. Cause I think that is really what's, what's happening. And also Mm -hmm. probably just trying on like, oh, there's this new thing that I can do called set a boundary. Well, they maybe don't have the language for that, but, you know, it's it's playing with different different ways of, of being and operating that mm-hmm. and how that gets responded to, I'm sure, has a big ripple effect. Yeah. Well, something I, I like to ask all my, my guests is what is something right now that makes you feel hopeful about the future? You know, I think that my kids are my greatest teachers and I see Mm -hmm. them being assertive and becoming more of themselves. And it is just lovely to watch them being free, to see them being bold. Um, That gives me a lot of hope and courage. And even to hear about how they are when they are away from me, like from their teachers and stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) they're doing a thing. And it's, you know, because it's always that thing of your kids are uh, the most random when they're with you. Like people will say, oh my gosh, he does this, he does that. And then me watch you watch them and they're like, oh my gosh, he was an angel. (laughs) he's so amazing and helpful and just you know so I think it's really amazing watching people not just kids but people my Mm -hmm. clients become more of themselves people on Instagram who send me messages and said I read your book I applied this and this is what happened and I feel so great like just watching people bloom is Mm -hmm. amazing 
I love that. And I really love hearing that because I think after last year, a lot of us got a bit of a wake-up call with just how out of control we are in terms of, you know, what's happening in the world around us. And and I have wondered how how parents are able to to maintain some of that hope for the future for their children. But I think what you said is just so beautiful, watching them bloom into who they are and learn how to assert themselves and become their own people. I, I can see how that would be very, very hopeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so for people that are interested in, in learning more from you, and I, I just want to do another plug for the book because it has so many practical exercises and tools because I think a lot of people don't know where to start they have this idea Mm -hmm. of like okay I know I need to set a boundary but what does that even sound like if if no one's modeled that for them before there's so many just concrete examples of of ways that you can start and then you know I'm sure you can riff off of those and, and play with different ways of articulating these things but I just I love how practical it is so I highly recommend set boundaries find peace but what are some other ways that people can engage with you and learn more from you I am the most present on Instagram I'm still trying to figure out how to use other social media platforms but (laughs) I understand Instagram and I have content there on most days I have a website where you can go and take some relationship quizzes, boundary quizzes. I have worksheets and a lot of fun stuff there. Um, so I would say my, my to best reach me, it would be my website and then Instagram. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time to to talk to me and to our guests today. And yeah, I just I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing in the world. And it's been really nice to connect with you. Name. Have a great day. Yeah, same to you.